0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a bonus episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs, as well as a very special guest this week, MTG Nerd Girl, aka Brittany, who we're having on to discuss content creation and streaming, all that sort of stuff. So welcome to Lords of Limited, Brittany.
1: Thank you guys for having me. I'm really excited.
2: Brittany, I don't even know where to start. I'm very selfishly excited as well to get to talk to you about content creation as a streamer, a YouTuber. You're also a podcaster on Magic Mics. You are the founder of DGen Gaming, uh, the stream team. I mean, there's just so much to get into. But I guess for folks who don't know you and your work, I would love to get to know. And also, I I don't know this either. I would love to get to know a little bit about you as a content creator, how you got started in the field and how you got into magic, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, you make me sound uh, absolutely amazing. I need to like (laughs) get you to like brief my, I don't know, my resume or something. But yeah, I'm definitely excited
2: to be here. (laughs) Sweet. Yeah. I was, uh, I was actually just the other day I was uh, talking to my wife and I was like, I think I need to make a resume for the stuff that I do now. Cause I haven't had like a, whatever, a quote unquote real job for four years. I don't know. Even if you count bartending or whatever as a real job. And I'm like, I don't think I know how to like categorize the things that I do or the skills that I have now. So I got, I got to work on that. So if you have any tips on that, you let me know.
1: I wish I did. I I also, you know, haven't had um another job outside of content creation in a while. I just hit my 5 years of streaming on Twitch in February, so yeah,
2: it's been a bit yeah, you you were like you were like us, right? You st- you were doing magic online back in the day, right? Well, so I was a competitive paper player, but I really didn't want to uh, do moto,
1: so I went okay. ahead and streamed Hearthstone like a big trader while traveling <laughs> to Magic events. And then they made Arena, and I was like, okay, day one, no more Hearthstone. Um, and I've been there since. But before, I was competing and playing a lot of paper magic.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so perhaps a little bit misremembering there. So how how did you get into streaming? I mean, I don't know what your life was before being a full-time content creator, but like, was it a sort of, I'm going to dip my toe in, this is fun. Was it with the goal of this is going to be my full-time gig? How did that start for you?
1: Oh boy. So um, I was a student and I've been a full-time poker player for about seven years leading up to starting to do content, but I was competing in magic and playing poker full time and a lot of friends were like you should totally stream people would like this. Uh and then I graduated from college and it felt like a really good time to give it a try. So I dived in full time right out of the gate. Uh you know, basically day after graduation, stopped playing poker and I gave myself a 6 month timer and I said if I can't eat at the end of this 6 months, then I'm going <laughs> to go use my degree and like do something uh that wasn't content related and um, I was really close, but I was still living with roommates from college, so I had like a little bit more wiggle room. So I decided, okay, I'm going to extend three more months, and then I was able to, uh, you know, survive. And I've been here since.
0: So, if you don't mind my asking, what is your college degree in?
1: <laughs> Elementary school education. So it fits very well with Twitch chat. I mean, I think that's how I'm able to <laughs> to manage a lot of the the people in the content creation world.
0: Get that wrecked, Twitch chat. Get dunked on.
2: A nice slight needle to everyone in the Twitchverse. I love that. But I'm really not surprised to hear that. One of the things that is so striking, I think, about your stream is your patience and how thoughtful you are. Like, I I let Twitch chat get the best of me quite easily, and I feel like you know I was watching you do the the you know the, the play in point thing. You were grinding play in points as the new thing. I feel like you could have gotten asked uh, the question, "What are play in points on Arena?" a hundred times in an hour, and you would have given the same patient, courteous response to each person asking that question. Whereas I might just be like, "Just Google it." Just. Go. <laughs> Figure it out yourself. So I'm not surprised to hear about your your background in education. That makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, poker is really important. You can't tilt. Um, I will say you know, I'm not immune to it either. I've definitely sometimes let chat get the better of me, and it makes me grumpy. And I try to end the stream when those days happen. Uh, The other thing, too, is I didn't have any other content related to play-in points yet that first day, I think, the one that you're talking about. Because I did get that question Mm. about every five minutes. And uh, so that night or the next morning, I recorded a video explaining play in points and breaking down the economy side of it. And then now anytime someone um, asks what play in points are exclamation PIP brings up a link to that video and I say, go check it out. I'm not going to explain it again. Um, So once I have the resources or tools in place, then you can kind of um, be a little bit more picky about what types of things you're willing to
2: repeat. So with this background in poker, and obviously, your, your your love for magic, Hearthstone, I mean, it seems like the, the, the high strategy side of gaming is where your interests lie. But your sort of persona or your stream, you know, I think that what's so interesting about the content that you make or the content that I've been consuming of yours over the past, I'd say, three, four weeks is that it's both very approachable for new players but doesn't feel like dumbed down or elementary for a player as invested in the game as I am is that something that has come naturally to you is that a, a sort of like image that you've cultivated or a sort of you know community that that you've cultivated or wanted to cultivate how did you arrive at that as sort of being your approach
1: um i do think that that probably came a little bit more naturally and that's partly because I'm not the best magic player in the world so I don't think people are coming to my channel uh to you know I don't think high level players are coming to my channel to refine their game there's players like Ben S and a ton of others that I could name in the world of limited that they can do that if they are coming to my channel I think it's because they enjoy magic they want to be immersed in the world with other people who are like minded and enjoy those things so I think that type of community kind of came naturally. I do kind of, you know, walk it back and and try to get people into limited because that is an area I think is very good for collection building. So I will dumb it down a bit for those areas. I don't mean that negatively, but just to help people get started in another format, but yeah. I think it's a bit of both.
0: So as a streamer, if you think about it as a spectrum of, you know, types of content creators, types of people who are streaming magic, you know, maybe on one end of the spectrum, you have someone like Foxy, who I feel like is her her community is very much there for her. Like when I watch her stream, I'm tuning in to watch Foxy. And maybe on the other end of the spectrum, you have someone like Sam Black, who is very strategic, very much teaching you how to win in the format. Where would you say you land? on that spectrum as a content creator? Where are you striving to be?
1: I would be very much more in line with Foxy. I think my community is very uh, just based around what is going on in Magic, in the world. We do a lot of like team drafts. We'll bring in viewers and we battle each other. We do tournaments and that has only gotten to be more the case with the DGEN gaming community, where a lot of other content creators and I are trying to build this community for tournaments and uh, and fun gameplay. And just, you know, we don't necessarily all care about winning the next Pro Tour.
0: So speaking of DGEN gaming, how did that start?
1: Oh, boy. Um, so I started my own esports team after having worked with a a large number of other teams throughout uh, my career as a content creator. And I just thought I could do it better. And I thought I could provide a safe place for other content creators to work with sponsors. I had a lot of friends who Uh, I love them to death, but they cannot, uh, you know, deal with contracts or negotiations to save their life. So I was a little bit better at those things. So I decided to make my own team and uh, provide access to sponsors for my friends, as well as, you know build something together, a community that we knew wouldn't just be taken away if a you know an esports team decided, oh, magic isn't doing esports anymore. Great, we will just cut everybody mid-contract and screw them out of their livelihoods.
0: And so speaking of magic and maybe some of the some of the up in the airedness that's happened over the last couple of years, you know, with the pro scene going away, all that sort of stuff, I do feel like as a magic content creator myself, That area feels much more secure in Magic. Like, it feels like there's always going to be a demand for content, even if the pro competitive scene is not there or as healthy and robust as it was back in the day. But why Magic? How did you land on MTG Nerd Girl? I mean, I think of you as a Magic player, but I also, you know, when I open Twitch, you're streaming Pokemon or you're streaming whatever, you know, I feel like you... Are a variety streamer of sorts but always end up coming back to Magic is that a fair statement or how would you how would you characterize your relationship with Magic and other games as a streamer?
1: Yeah, um, I'm primarily a magic player. I do stream some variety, but I think that has a little bit more to do with the nature of the amount of hours I stream. Um, I do a ton of 12 hour streams. I'm doing three this week. And for my own sanity and like brain, I need to sometimes do something that isn't quite so intense. And that has a lot to do with the chat as well, because there's a lot of backseat gaming. And like you said, the same question over and over again. So we'll do six to eight hours of magic. And then sometimes I just want to, you know, play some Pokemon Arceus or we play a ton of board games in my channel where we're we bring uh, viewers in to play Catan, Wingspan, things like that. So first and foremost, a Magic player, but I will mix it up when uh, when time allows.
0: Speaking of board games, I love Catan. Have either of you, <laughs> you played a board game? It's called. It's not a board game per se. It's more of a card game, but it's got Magic esque elements. But it's very approachable for anyone to learn, I think. It's called Exploding Unicorns. No, Unstable Unicorns. Have either of you ever played that or know what that is? I haven't, but I've heard of it. Yeah,
1: I've seen it, but I've never played that one.
0: Super fun. If you're looking for a game to play with people who are maybe, not, they don't even have to be gamers, but I think gamers appreciate it, but you can teach it in- Five minutes, like you get one action per turn. It's the most straightforward game on the planet. But lots of the mechanics and effects are very magic-esque. Like there's a control magic uniform. There's a control magic unicorn when it ETBs or there's like a you know, kill your kill your unicorn when ETBs. There's just lots of stuff borrowed from magic, it seems like in the people that that made the game. Very cool. Those
2: are the best games, the ones that like, I mean, it's shocking that we're all obsessed with magic. And I'm going to say this, but the games that take like five minutes or 10 minutes to teach and then like have a lot of infinite replayability. Magic is certainly not that certainly infinite replayability, but not five to 10 minutes to teach.
1: Certainly true. Yeah, I'm a big board game fan. I have, you know, probably thousands of dollars, an entire closet full of nonsense, and getting to do a lot of them online with the community is
2: awesome. So it sounds like you started off with Twitch as your primary platform. Is that true? Correct.
1: Yeah, I dove right into Twitch. I didn't really do any social
2: media or YouTube until a couple of years in. Okay. So what sparked you to want to branch out to YouTube?
1: Oh, boy, this is a You know, you might want to cut this out. It might end up being a little too inappropriate. I don't know what, uh, (laughs) (laughs) if this is going to be acceptable. So uh, I had a scare where I thought I got banned from Twitch. And I was like, oh "Oh, no, my livelihood is over. And I don't know where I'll go from here. And this was about three ish years into streaming full time. Uh, Like I said, I started full time day one. So then I would just basically be cut off day, you know, immediately. And I got really scared. So I was like, okay, we need to start branching out, developing. Uh, a wider platform. Should I need to jump ship and you know dive into YouTube? I will not be starting from zero, and also just diversify my income streams a bit. So what happened is a little bit of a story time. Sorry, guys. Is I was.
2: Yeah, that's why you're here, right? Yeah,
1: a twelve hour stream, <laughs> like I described earlier. I you know had my coffee in the morning, and we spent the first like hour or so, uh, you know, looking for games on Steam. There was a big Steam sale, so I was like, let's browse games, and I'll let chat vote on what games they might like to see, and I'll purchase whatever you guys want. So I was clicking on various games, and I clicked on a game that looked pretty harmless. It looked like a sort of it had a castle and, you know, looked sort of adventurous and boom, big ol anime boobs popped out and I was just like, "Oh no." I even covered the screen for my own face as if that would stop chat from seeing it somehow. <laughs> <laughs> and like panicked and like did the thing and um I, you know, deleted the vod. I deleted clips because there was like a couple people who clipped it because it was funny of my reaction. Um, And then I went about my day. Uh, Around hour 10, I got an email saying that your, and this is during the stream, uh, that your account is being permanently banned for inappropriate behavior. And I started crying on stream. This is the only time I've ever cried on stream. I started saying goodbye to everybody thinking my channel was about to get cut off. And uh, I pull up the email and someone's like, look at the name. And I was like, like, what do you mean? And it said MTG nerd girl with a lowercase J kind of just attached to that L at the end of my name. And it was a fake dummy account that had gotten banned that just happened to be on the same day. I probably the only day I've ever broken any sort of terms of service and, uh, It was just this big thing of relief. And I was just like, okay, we're going to start doing some YouTube. We're going to start branching out.
0: That is wild. I felt Ethan go like, oh, my God. (laughs) Like, I felt – and it's a little different for me because I am teaching and streaming. So, I mean – if my stream got deleted, I would still be banned. Directing, but I, I like I felt Ethan tense up there when you well, said that. I got I got two uh what DMCA
2: strikes uh like a couple years ago. I want to say like got one strike and then like stopped listening to music on stream and went thought I like deleted all my old clips or whatever and then got a second strike like two months later and so I mean and, and for folks that don't know when you're three strikes and you're out on Twitch three strikes for those kinds of copyright infringement things and they'll ban your account and I was like. I don't know what I would do if that happens. I mean, you know, Twitch is is like a it's not the the biggest piece of the pie for me, but it's a it's certainly a uh, significant piece of the pie. You know.
1: At this time, it was my only pie. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> very upset. Um, And you know, my community really rallied. And so if it had been any other day, I would have been like, okay, whatever they're hitting me with, I can probably like contest. I'll have, you know, maybe a 30 day ban or whatever. You know, some streamers do a lot and only get like a day or two banned. But just because it happened to be on this day where I just showed right. anime porn on my stream. <laughs> I was so stressed.
2: Oh, man. Yeah, that's horrible. That's horrible. Well, I'm glad that... Uh, that got cleared up. That's good. So when you started doing YouTube content, were you just doing draft videos? Because I know now, like, you know, you just mentioned that you did like a video on playing points and what the economy of it is. And I don't know you've done that before. You've done a lot of sort of, you know, how to maximize your gems or gold in the client type videos before about what's the best bang for your buck in the economy. Has that always been part of your focus on YouTube? Or is that something that, that you came to later?
1: So... It's always been a little bit of a mix. I've mostly do drafts from Twitch just because it is hard to, you know, dedicate a lot of time to multiple different platforms. So I try to double dip as much as I can. My ultimate goal is to do like two drafting videos and like an economy video per week or a news thing or a like, you know, mana base or set review. Um, I do like a couple of weeks into a set, I'll do an update on like ratings or cards that are over or underperforming, things like that. So it's been sort of a work in progress, but I think I've always had this sort of vision for it and it's going well enough.
2: Yeah, yeah. It seems like it's it's thriving for sure. When you choose videos from your stream to show up on YouTube, how do you do that? What, what makes the cut for you? Or do you you know, start recording a YouTube video from your stream with the idea like this is going to be the draft from today that I do, whether it's interesting or not.
1: No, I actually record every single... Draft I do basically on stream, unless I'm like, you know, tired and look a mess and don't care. Um, But for the most part, (laughs) I will record every single one. And then I just delete ones that, you know, aren't interesting. I don't necessarily always have to have seven wins, but I want it to either have like some sort of interesting, weird rare I built around. Another thing I like to do is diversify my archetype. So for example, I had another broker's seven win that had like a bunch (laughs) of nutty bombs. But like I have so many broker videos up from this set already. So I just scrubbed it, stopped recording because at that point I'm not offering anything new. So I'm really like sort of headhunting some of these archetypes or families in New Capenna that I haven't gotten to to explore yet.
0: So as you were branching out to these other platforms between Twitch and YouTube, do you feel like your target audience changes at all platform to platform? Or do you generally have Okay, I'm I'm marketing to this type of person in he- in mind for for either platform.
1: I feel like Twitch, I have a person in mind where it's like I'm sort of the community slash entertainment side of things, um, while also just not being an idiot. I can play Magic reasonably well, uh, but for YouTube, I don't know. I really haven't figured it out, and I don't really know what's working for me and what isn't. Uh, I'm currently in a bit of like a lull in my YouTube viewership. So I'm trying to see if that's just like lack of interest in Nuka Penna or if, you know, maybe I'm not hitting the algorithm right, not producing enough videos. So I really don't claim to have anything
2: figured out for YouTube. <laughs> so f- for my content, I feel like I'm a bad business person. Like I think that I make good stuff. Like I think our podcast is is I'm very proud of it. I think you know my stream is is fine. I think the YouTube videos I make are, are fine. Articles I write are fine or whatever. But I feel like it comes from a place of I'm just gonna I just want to play magic and create content that I would want to consume. But I'm not good at in terms of thinking about whatever the search engine optimization or numbers or analytics. I get the sense from you that you are. A pretty darn savvy business person. Is that a fair assessment?
1: Uh, I think I am when it comes to the team and sponsorships and stuff like that. Like, I'm pretty good at planning out when to do sponsored streams or what would be good or not for the community. But as far as like analytics go, I probably am not the person to go to.
0: (laughs) (laughs)
2: So, what do you, you know, let's say, so you're in this sort of YouTube lull right now. What are your problem solving things. Are you trying to dig into it? Or are you sort of like, eh, maybe it's just the lull with Streets of New Capenna and I'll wait till the next set to see if there's more engagement. Do you start to try and like reinvent the wheel? What's your what's your approach there?
1: Uh it does seem like my economy videos and my information stuff does seem to be doing better. It doesn't look like there is a ton of um, you know, desire for gameplay videos. So I am trying to dedicate a little bit more time to the YouTube channel as just YouTube content, whether that's me, you know, taking a half a day to record a video and edit it, do some uh, economy things. For example, when the wild card bundle came, I opened like six hundred packs in increments of fifty to like calculate how many wildcards you got, and, um,
0: mm-hmm. and and
1: make those types of things because that seems to really be where my YouTube audience wants to be but again with the new team and my twitch content there is just not enough hours in the day
2: speaking of hours in the day i am very curious like what a sort of day in the life of you know I know what my content creator day in the life looks like. I am curious about yours. You, you're baking in ha- three 12-hour streams a week that for you. That is so, obvi- absurd. So obviously that's, you know, that's the day for you. But in terms of you know a, maybe a day where you're not streaming or a day where you're just doing magic mics, which I'm interested to talk to you about in just a little bit, You know, what does a typical day look like for you?
1: Oh, boy. So my typical work day, if there is nothing else in the way of that, for example, magic mics or a doctor's appointment or something, I tend to work about 15 hours a day. Um, And and that includes stream time, team stuff, you know, sponsorship planning, emails, uh, anything along those lines. Uh, But I do sometimes take like partial days off, but they are (laughs) kind of far and few between. Um, This won't be shown obviously on the podcast, but I'll just post. This is my, my stream schedule for the week for you guys. Uh, so you guys can just have an idea, and then in all oh of the gosh. white areas is where I plan, you know, other YouTube content, editing, recording videos, or um, you know, I have a ton of sponsorship stuff with the team. We have to plan the DGen opens, which we do monthly. We have DGen supporter events, community nights. So everything that is not colored is where I try to do all of those other things.
0: So on a personal level, and feel free to not answer this if this is too digging into your life. When I look at this. Something I personally struggle with as a band director and content creator, you know, I love to stream, love to do the podcast with Ethan. I feel like at times my personal life suffers just because sometimes there's not room for other things. Do you struggle with that at all? Have you found any tricks to help your content creation slash, you know, having actual friends and relationships balance?
1: I don't struggle with my personal life because I just don't have one. So I'm probably (laughs) not the best person to ask.
0: Okay. It's it's really
2: hard, I think, to know like to have an off switch when I mean when I'm looking at this calendar full of different color coded events in Britney's week. Like it's hard to then have you know, I'm just going to have time where I don't check Twitter or don't check discord or whatever. Like, it's very hard to feel like these are my office hours or these are my work hours. You don't, you're not clocking in or clocking out like at a normal job. I I say that as if I've ever had a normal job or know what that means, but like (laughs) you could, you know, that's the thing about content creators or streamers is you can always do more, right? You can always stream an, an extra hour. You can always stream another day, right? You can always do something, wake up a little earlier, stay up a little later. There's, there's no end to the amount of work you can do, and I think that's at least for me. That's it's hard to turn that off or know when you know ha- when to, to to clock out, as it were.
1: Yeah, there's just no clocking out. And as a content creator, I've gotten better at doing things. I've become more efficient. There's less stuff that needs doing when you start doing content. You're like, okay, I need to start a Patreon. I need to learn how to do alerts. I need to fix those alerts and make them shinier or flashier. I need to work on social media and make my Twitter account. And then once those things are sort of in place, you start to get a little bit more time. And as a content creator, you can either choose to have a life or you can start doing the DGens and Dragons show. Start working on your uh, you know, community tournaments. And that is kind of where I've ended up is that I just as I streamline things, I add more things to the pile. And uh, yeah, here we are.
2: Yeah. I mean, you got yeah, a <laughs> chock full calendar. Does, does it all feel – I mean, mostly what I do, I would say on a day-to-day basis, feels fun. Like, this right now doesn't feel like work. Talking to you both doesn't feel like work. Doing the podcast, playing magic, streaming generally doesn't feel like work. Does – Stuff like that for you feel like work? Are there things that you're like, I look forward to this? And then when I have to, you know, make things on my stream shinier when I'm not live, that is annoying, but I know it's worth doing, et cetera.
1: Yeah. um, I would say it's a good mix. There are some things that do sort of feel like work, and there are some things that are a little easier. So getting to do the variety hours, it Almost works to be sort of like time off because you know viewership is lower, support is lower, but that's sort of just good for my soul. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't necessarily feel like work. It's like at that point, I'm now sharing games and fun events with community members who have now become more like friends, which is really fun when we get to do like Catan tournaments or things like that. But sometimes it's like, oh, I don't like this draft format, but I have to play it. And that really starts to feel like work.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: Ben, you wouldn't know what that's like playing a format that you're bored of, right? Oh my God, this format is <laughs> awful. Although, I will have you know, I played Nuka Penna off stream for about an hour last night, which is wow. wild considering that's how much I dislike the format. <laughs> unheard of
2: for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we should ask. We've got we've got Brittany on the show. Brittany, what are your thoughts about Streets of Nuka Penna so far?
1: I think it's fine. I don't hate it. Um... I was really struggling in Midnight Hunt. I did not want to stream it like at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was really sick of just like blue-black all day, and that was really tough. Yeah. I, I do feel like the families are a bit unbalanced, but that said, it's really hard to make everything perfectly balanced, and that's sort of to be expected, but you can get a trophy deck in every single family, and I feel like most of the rares are kind of cool, unique build arounds that aren't necessarily huge bombs. Like for example, the Riveter's Ascendancy, things like that, where it's got that like sort of sacrifice feel outlet Mm -hmm. um, or the Maestro's one where you can, you know, sack creatures to bring back spells. That's pretty neat. Uh, Again, not huge bombs, but really fun build arounds. And that keeps it fresh for me and not super repetitive again i know those are not necessarily the best archetypes but you can get trophy decks and i feel like that's important
2: i tried to build around or maybe i wasn't a build around i got it in pack two when i already had a bunch of blitz creatures i got the riveteer's ascendancy that's the it's black red green enchantment and whenever you sacrifice a creature once each turn whenever you sacrifice a creature you can return a creature with lesser mana value from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped and i ended the draft with five blitz creatures and two uh, casualty spells, and I was like, this might be enough. This seems pretty good. And I had a bunch of gold hounds as well that I was like, oh, these, these can make their way to the graveyard when I want them to, and I can get them back, etc. And I just like I, never, I barely saw Ascendancy, and when I did, it just didn't do anything. It was a real bummer, because I feel like so much has to go right for that card to even be worth considering including in your main deck, and then to then have it not even even work out was a, a real bummer.
1: Yeah, it does sound like you were probably a little light on it, but um, that yeah. is part of what I think keeps the format a little fresh, is because that there is something there that you can strive for, versus in a, in a format like Midnight Hunt, where there really isn't anything. It's just draft blue, black, or die. Um, and then play mm-hmm. a bunch of Blue Black Mirrors, which again is pretty nails on chalkboard for me.
2: Yeah, no, I, I amen to that. And Midnight Hunt was not—I I recognize it's not a popular opinion, but th- that was not a format that I liked very much either. When you when a new format comes out, what is your approach? I know you—you you, you mentioned you do a, a set review, and then it sounds like a re-review a couple weeks in. Is that for yourself? Would you do like? Would you be interested in doing something like that, even if you weren't creating content? I guess that's probably a hard question to answer, considering you've been doing it now for five. Six Six years, but you know, are you doing anything else in terms of prepping for uh, your first few drafts, or is it just that?
1: Uh, it's just that now, just because they, ha- you know, don't really give us enough time between yeah. you know release and the the product coming out. Back in the day, when I was grinding, and we had uh, you know two plus weeks, my friends and I would proxy up an entire cube of the format and practice, so that way we would go during release weekend to a grand prix and actually have some uh, experience with the cards under our belt, which was really nice but now we don't really do that because you know i spend you know roughly 10-ish hours live streaming a set review and then i spend another 20-ish hours you know, translating that into uh, article format for my sponsors, and then upload all of those to YouTube. And by the time that's done, the weekend's over because, you know, we get to the end of spoilers on Friday and sometimes it releases on Tuesday or some nonsense and uh, mm-hmm. and then we're just done.
2: Yeah. Do you dabble in Constructed at all or is it 100% limited for you?
1: So anytime I'm left to my own devices, it'll mostly be limited. I do uh, some, you know, viewer submitted deck lists on Wednesdays, uh, but I also compete in tournaments. You know, I've played on the Pro Tour. I have gone on to the mythic invitational uh, i will play in any tournament dgen gaming hosts tournaments on a weekly or monthly basis where i'll play in all of those formats as well we have a uh, dgen only battle on tuesdays where we have a rotating format so you know i get to experience a ton of things like that uh, we are doing a pioneer event our first moto one next month which is exciting so i'll get to play so i will do things for events but I don't necessarily enjoy them
0: outside of competing, right? (laughs) Well-spoken, well-spoken. So on the side of making content, you know, you mentioned something like Riveteer's Ascendancy as a build around, and you obviously know what's up. You've talked about brokers being great and winning with it a lot, trophying. Do you purposefully take Riveteer's Ascendancy knowing that it's going to lower your win rate and are fine with that in the name of content? Would you be doing that anyway, just for variety, if it weren't for content? Like, How do you rationalize giving up win percentage just to (laughs) to make content or to have more fun? Or how does that hit you? Because it would be hard for me as a very spiky person to just take Riveteer's Ascendancy and enjoy it even for content if I knew it were lowering my chances to win.
1: Yeah, it's 100% for content. There's no middle ground about it. I am, you know, before content, I was a full-time poker player. I'm all about the value. You know, I mostly spend a lot of my time doing the economy stuff. For arena. So I don't necessarily, I think it's fun to draft around these things, but for example, for myself, when I was grinding and margin trading and competing, it was only about winning and getting max EV for those things. Now it's like, okay, uh, there's a good broker's card, but my last two videos on YouTube were brokers. So we're going to take this other idiot card and uh, and hope it works out so I get some sort of content to put up for you guys.
0: And do you acknowledge that in the video or are you more, well, here's the sweet card. Let's try it out without acknowledging all that other stuff.
1: I, I acknowledge it. Definitely.
0: Ben, you should Ben, you should take a page out of her book. Okay. (laughs) Have a little fun. Let my hair down a little bit. Have some fun.
2: Do it for the sake of content. Yeah.
1: I definitely acknowledge it. There's like, sometimes it'll be like a tiebreaker and a choice, like pack one, pick one. It's like, okay. Um, you know, we have these two cards that are roughly on par. One fits in the best archetype that I have a thousand videos in and one fits into like this other archetype. Let's try for this. And then sometimes it just doesn't pan out because brokers ends up being open. So we just shift back into it and that's not a problem. Um, And then that video likely just gets scrubbed. But if I can make something work for the sake of content, I definitely will.
0: For sure. One of the words that's come up a lot just from us and from you, I think, fairly naturally is community. And to me, I don't know you very well. I mean, we kind of know who each other is through the Twitch streaming verse and all of that. But if I were to associate a word with you as a, a person, a creator, it is community. It feels like your community is much wider reaching and much more just family-esque feeling than is apparent via Twitch numbers or something like that. I feel like your community is gigantic, but I don't feel like your concurrent viewer numbers always line up with how big I perceive your community to be. Can you talk about that at all?
1: Um yeah, my ma- so partly part of what you might be seeing like if you look at my streamer stats, I'm being dragged down heavily by my other content. So, you know, I will try to stream 30-ish hours of magic a week usually, but then I will sometimes stream up to 30 other hours of non-magic content. And you know, my concurrent viewership there is roughly between like 100 to 150, depending. I do a playthrough of Final Fantasy IX every year just because I want to. Uh, and that will definitely hurt that average concurrent viewership. But my Magic is usually between like mm, probably two to 350 on its own without any larger hosts. So it is a little bit on the smaller side when you compare it to um, some you know very successful content creators. But again, I do agree that it's very family oriented because the people who are there are there for for me and not necessarily for top tier gameplay, which I don't think I'm bad at magic, but there are definitely better places you could go if you're trying to
0: learn for the best. Well, and so was that a conscious choice on your part? Did that organically happen? Like, Would you say that your community is magic players by and large that happen to enjoy other games as well? Or do you feel like you're pulling in people from all of these different games that you play as part of your community? Did you, did you, I guess, I don't know how to frame the question I'm asking, but I want to know if it was more like purposeful, like you set out to build this community or if it was more organic and you just realized, Hey, this is me. This is my niche.
1: Yeah. I think it was sort of organic. I, my community to answer your question about who I think I appeal to, I do think it's mostly magic players that also enjoy other games, or at least about fifty percent of them. If you look at my concurrent viewership for when I'm streaming Magic versus not, um, like I said, it's about three hundred, and then it goes down to like one hundred and fifty, or vice versa. You know, I'll start with something else. So about half of them, roughly, like other content. But I also have a few members of my community that I know specifically have filtered in from other uh, games that really just enjoyed me and the community and the personality that uh, that we have going on in the channel and have watched magic, even though they don't play magic. I have a few community members that are very much like that, that are just like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just happy to be here. And that's
2: great. (laughs) And it feels like a, Big focus of what you do is giving back to your community. Like a lot of your, and maybe not your content. I mean, your content is is gaming, but there's so many things. You know, you've got these. You've got that. You're like wheel spinning on on Twitch as your you know, channel point redemption. Um, you're you're doing so many like pack code giveaways, or you, you know, obviously talking about doing these like DGen opens every month, or other things. Like it feels like you are so invested in giving back to your community. I, I find. That it's hard to, you know, innovate in terms of okay, what what might be a good Patreon reward tier here? But that stuff seems to come. I mean, from my mind, seems to be come pretty natural to you in terms of coming up with these ideas about how to best serve your community and how to give back to the people who want to support you.
1: Uh, I would say that that's probably my number one, uh, like. In all of the things that take up space in my brain throughout the day, I feel like that would be number one. I do, you know, the wheel spins. I'm constantly asking the community what it is that they would like to see as far as content rewards. Oftentimes we'll just throw up a poll and be like, what do you guys want to do next? And that's the format we play. Patreon, wheel spins, all of that stuff is really important because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, what the content that they want to see is, is super important. And I have one of the best jobs in the world. And if they are <laughs> going to be supportive of that, the least I can do is try to make it immersive and rewarding for them.
0: And so is a part of giving back just the sheer amount of time that you put into your stream? Because that is mind boggling to me. Like, there's no way for you to know listeners, if you haven't streamed, how tiring streaming is. Yes, it's fun. Yes, you're playing a game. Like, yes, it's the best job in the world as Brittany's saying and all of that, but it is tiring being on and being on a camera if you're trying to do it really well, which Brittany does. I mean, I don't always necessarily like I'm just kind of playing magic with the stream on sometimes, but if you're putting effort into it, it's tiring. So is the amount of hours that you stream part of that or is that part of building your community or trying to reach people in different time zones? Like how what is the the impetus behind the amount of time you put into live streaming?
1: Um, well, I'm I, I personally feel like I'm one of those content creators that is successful but not hasn't necessarily made it. I am a content creator that's sort of on the cusp. You know, a bad month or two could just kind of take me off the content creator train. Um, you know, I. Do well. I'm able to support myself and actually my mom, who moved in with me at the beginning of COVID. But like, I'm not necessarily raking in these, you know, $15,000 sponsorship deals monthly kind of stuff where you see the, I mean, technically, I think I'm in the top like or 3% of Twitch, which is really sad when I really don't make all that much money. So the amount of time I put into it is just because it is super important to me. And also the community itself deserves, I think, that sort of thing. Because again, I get to do this amazing thing, the least I could do is work hard for it.
0: Yeah, that is awesome. I, I think even other than community, the other word that I would associate with you, again, this is just knowing you very fringely through Twitch is professional. Yeah. Do you have a, a sense about how you want to present yourself a on stream and then b on other places like social media or YouTube? And how, how did you come to be that way? I, you just so, are so professional and have so much grace. All the time, I just think, "Wow!" Like every time I read one of your Twitter posts,
1: <laughs> that's um, very nice and refreshing to hear. I would say that some people think I'm not. I actually uh, just read a, a big mistake. Someone sent me like a, a Reddit post with me about about me or something. So I was like, "Oh, I'm just going to type in my name into Reddit and see what pops up." And someone was like, <laughs> "I'm one of the most toxic streamers out there," and I was like, "Whoa, um, yeah, that was pretty pretty sad to that's see, it.
2: but." Classic internet mistake is to just (laughs) be like, well, I'm going to see what people on Reddit are saying about me. Yeah, it was was really (laughs) bad. It's never ended well. Yeah.
1: Um, But like, you know, sometimes I am not very professional. For example, we do drinking games on my stream where we crack packs and do giveaways and just kind of have a fun night um, with like song requests and things, which unfortunately is now gone. Uh, The other thing too is like, I've gotten a lot of grief for my um, uh, extra life thirst traps on Twitter. (laughs) I, I post like every once in a while, like a picture that's like, you know, pretty well covered far more than like a bathing suit. And I say like, you know, check out my OnlyFans. And it's just like a link to my Extra Life page.
0: Yes, and, those entertain me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so people sometimes like think that that's very unprofessional. And that gets posted on Reddit saying that like, you know, another thought or whatever you want to call uh, females on the internet. So yeah, there's a ton of different takes on that. But I do try. But I do think that my personality that you see, whether professional or not, is just me. I you know go to a lot of these events. I meet a lot of um, viewers, and I do a lot of community stuff like those tournaments, Settlers of Catan, and things. And it's pretty much from everybody I've talked to, agreed universally that what you see is what you get. I am basically the same person. Where you have other content creators, and no, you know, hate to them, of course, it's amazing. But you have like CGB or like Doctor Disrespect that do put on more of a show. Um, Whereas like, I'm literally just the same person.
2: <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know how people do that. Because as, as Ben has said, I mean, it's it's just exhausting. It's very tiring streaming that people who go an extra step and sort of maybe are, are leaning into a character or a caricature of themselves. I just don't know how you do that because it's just so tiring to be anything other than yourself on stream, I think, that doing something else just seems d- incredibly daunting.
1: Yeah. No, that's 100% true. I'm you know, i good friends with CGB and we've had this conversation a lot. That's part of the reason his streams are only a couple days a week and only a couple hours at a time because putting on that character is a lot more work than just hanging out with your friends and playing Magic. Now, I do a lot of other things to facilitate... You know, that vibe, the community thing, the tournaments, the Patreon things, or other games, mini tournaments. So it's just a bit of a different thing. It's whether you're trying to put on a show versus whether or not you're trying to make community stuff happen. And I think that's sort of the distinction and where you put your energy into is super important and you can't really do
2: both. So we've talked a bit about Twitch and YouTube. We haven't touched yet on, you are also in the podcast world on Magic Mics. Can you talk to us a bit about the Magic Mics podcast?
1: Yeah. So the Magic Mics podcast, they just kind of reached out to me. They had an opening for a host and they were like, we think you would be great, a sort of mix to what we currently have going on because they didn't have any limited players. They didn't have any content creators outside of themselves who don't have a ton of experience with Um, YouTube and Twitch and don't really have their ear to the ground with a lot of that sort of stuff. And also the other two hosts are not particularly competitive. They like to Mm. play casual decks and have a good time. So they kind of wanted someone who fit a lot of the areas that they didn't as far as limited content creation uh, and competitive So it was really nice to get that invite, and I'm still, even though it's been a few months now, I still feel like I'm sort of trying to find my groove there, but it's working out.
2: Had you dipped your toe into podcasting prior to this?
1: I haven't, actually. This was my first podcast. I'm actually working on creating my own podcast with Melissa Datora, that is supposed to be starting next month, which is going to be a ton of fun, but this will be my first time outside of just Showing up for Magic Mics, they do all the heavy lifting.
2: What what name did you all land on for your <laughs> uh, your charity podcast?
1: So the two podcast names that we picked out that got voted on, it turns out both the names are taken. So oh no. <laughs> Uh, we're still working on it. Uh, Ristic Buddies was the first one that was voted on. Melissa really liked it, and it turns out that there is a Brazilian EDH podcast that's uh, still active. And then we voted on, and and everybody was very excited about the Manadorks, which turns out there is an inactive podcast that hasn't been active for like a little over a year with that name. So we're like, oh no, now we don't know what to do.
2: Oh dang. Well that sounds like you got a little bit of time before you fire up your first episode. What's what's gonna be the focus of that podcast?
1: It's sort of a mix of things. We're gonna cover um various topics relating to magic. And I think that between Melissa being a member of R and D, being an ex Competitive player, both of us being females in Magic and content creation, we have a lot of ground to cover. Um, so we're gonna yeah. bring topics in from the community, and every month, all of the uh, ad revenue from those will go to a charity that's voted on by the community as well.
0: And so, speaking of being a woman in the world of content creation, what is that like?
1: Oh, it's scary. <laughs> I don't recommend it. What a,
2: what a broad, what a broad. <laughs> I feel like there's just like so much baked into that question. There there was, for a while, it's, it's kind of inactive now, but um, Riley Knight had started a Discord server for content creators to sort of just, and Magic Streamers, I think specifically, to just sort of be able to like, you know, talk about, hey, did you get this sponsorship deal? What was it like working with these people? Or just to vent about Twitch chat, because like, we're all sort of co-workers, but we're all also sort of in competition with each other and sort of like know each other, but don't know each other. And so it was a, it was a cool way to get to, to sort of interact with people that are like, I don't know. Kind know. kind of your colleagues in a way and i i forget what the the thing was that came up but a bunch of of women had responded of like oh yeah i've had this issue with blah 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 and i was like oh man i feel like i struggle with like dealing with you know feedback on the internet or like whatever interacting with trolls and twitch chat and the the order of magnitude that non-white men have to deal with nonsense on the internet is just wild to me it's it's pretty unfathomable
1: yeah, no there's um you know no shortage of people harassing female content creators and we get it on both sides for example we're only successful because we're females but also we'll never be as successful as <laughs> all of the guys who are you know what i mean like uh yeah. th- i think the general consensus is that we as a female content creator you do have a higher floor but a much lower ceiling as far as what you can do and i think that mm. for the most part is true and that is because for every person that only wants to watch because you're a girl. There's, you know, five people who refuse to watch because you were a girl. And then there's like that middle Mm. ground of of people who um, will just want to find a community that fits for them or the content that fits for them.
0: Right. Just our normal, decent human beings. Yeah, exactly.
1: So there's a a good mix of both of those things. I will say, uh, you know, harassment on social media. If you, you know, check out your um, Twitter, like blocks a bunch of stuff and you can go below and like, See the stuff that gets like filtered out, and it's just—I I don't mean to be super graphic, but it is just full of like threats of like rape and death and scary things. Um, for example. I um, I opened up an LLC and I pay extra to have my accountant take the address of my business as their own. So anything that gets sent to the business gets sent to my accountant. I have, you know, of course, a PO box and my mom moved in with me at the beginning of COVID and I'm transferring everything I have into her name as far as like utilities and things, because I just don't want people to be able to find me. Yeah. The only person I want wearing a nerd girl skin suit is nerd girl. So.
0: And that is some of where that professionalism comes in that I mentioned earlier. You've posted things on Twitter and are pretty open about, you know, some of the things that are just truly horrible that people say to you. And appearances on the surface are that you don't let it get to you. I'm sure it has to be hard to see things like that. And speaking of, you know, I learned about that deep, dark place of Twitter through a post of yours and I went and looked at mine and there was nothing there. Like my <laughs> life is just easy breezy compared to that. I can't imagine what that's like.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a scary place and it definitely goes after female content creators or, um, you know, members of the LGBTQ community a lot more than it might be. Uh, white guys.
2: So do you ever get to a place where that stuff, I mean, I can't, I don't want to say like rolls off because it can't, but like, are you able to filter out the noise and just be like, I don't, I'm not going to let these, this hateful voice get to me, or does it still just kind of like sting a little bit?
1: Um, I'm actually kind of a bad person to ask this question to because I think I have it a fair amount easier than most. I think that Mm. it affects me a lot less than it affects most of my peers or anybody that is being targeted by this stuff. Because like a lot of those posts that I share with the community of things that are awful, 99% of the time, they really didn't bother me. And I'm just trying to raise awareness more than anything. The only time I can think of where I was actually concerned and that it did upset me is I had um, sort of like a stalker person who like wrote me a like paragraphs and paragraphs and in like they would stop for a day and then they'd write, write me a thing that said like, I love you too. And then they started like sketching things that were like really weird and disturbing. They started making fake accounts. They started applying for DGEN. I kept blocking them on a bunch of things. It was really, really scary. Um, But that's honestly the only time that this has ever gotten to me. Uh, Most of the time, I just either shrug it off or say something sort of quippy on stream. There's like a Nerd Girl Out of Context series that my viewers make of me basically just like obliterating racist children on the internet, basically, or (laughs) sexist children. Um, So it doesn't bother me much.
2: Is that like just, I don't know, from your not tilting poker background, has that always been the case for you? Did you have to sort of work up to... Because I feel like I... Am just recently now having I've, I mean, I've been streaming and podcasting for nearly five years now. That I feel like only recently have I got to a place where I'm, I'm able to let and I you know don't even have it nearly as bad as you. And it sounds like you feel like you don't even have it nearly as bad as other people. Um, l- letting you know negative comments roll off a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um. I don't know if it's the poker background or if that's just kind of how I was raised. Like for example, I, I know a lot of people. Um, Females in particular get very hurt when people think that they can't play magic or something like that, where it's like, I almost get kind of a funny little, I get a chuckle out of it. For example, I walked up to a big judge call my friend was in and um, we were in day two. I was also competing in day two and there was a big crowd gathered up and I walk up to the crowd and um, I want to know how important it is for my friend to win this judge call. So I say, hey, do you know what game we're in? And the guy turns to me, says, this is Magic the Gathering. And I was like, oh, <laughs> is it like a Pokemon? <laughs> um, and so I just kind of like lush it up. Or if I'll be like rail birding a friend, they're like, oh, it's so nice like that your girlfriend watch you play Magic. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's trying to teach me. And then I'll just like play Absolutely Dumb Forever. Ultimately, you know, meeting them in top eight or whatever, and then... If I beat them, I feel like so much enjoyment and glee. It's just that stuff just doesn't bother me. I find it actually really fun. It's
0: like beating the person that prematurely GG'd you.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Getting prematurely GG'd in life. Um, so for, from the perspective, I, you know, I think Ben and I do our best on stream to create as inclusive an environment as possible. Um, we're, we're big proponents of of uh, not gendering our opponents and making sure our community does that as well. I'm curious just for myself and I'm sure our listeners are too um h- how to best be supportive and an ally of you know female creators creators in the LGBTQ community do you have any any thoughts about that that's that's a very very tough question
1: um you know
2: yeah sorry to put you on the spot that's there. okay
1: being supportive on social media and things like that I think is really important I think that there are a lot of terms that are used, that it can be quite harmful. And this is simple stuff. um, But usually I find that these things are not used necessarily the way they're intended. For example, when people say those terrible things to me or other creators, there's people who are like, you know, don't listen to them. You obviously know how to play magic. And then those people will be attacked by saying, oh, you're a simp or you're a white knight. And I hate those terms because they're no longer used the way they were. They're now just used to attack people for calling out behavior. Mm -hmm. I guess just kind of try to be sort of inclusive to those things and also try not to be so harsh on people who are just not jerks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's good advice for sure. One last question I've got for you, just as it relates to content creation and community. You know, you started doing this full time. I think that's a pretty unusual way to go after it actually two questions now do you ever see yourself retiring from the contact creation game <laughs> to be an elementary teacher or is that has that ship sailed and gone by
1: i don't think it's shipped and gone by and i don't Say this "woe is me" or anything like that, but I'm guessing that as a female in the world of content creation, I have a little bit more of a shelf life than the average, uh, average guy. You know, Brian Kibbler uh, is what late 30s now. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think people are necessarily going to be watching me play magic in my late 30s, early 40s. And, and again, I don't mean this to be negative. I just don't know that that is where the market is for uh, females in the content creation world but i have the new esports team i have a ton of connections in other things as far as just working with teams, which I could be some sort of you know manager or even a content creator manager or consultant—that's the word I'm looking for. Uh, I have a lot of options, but I definitely want to teach someday. The issue is that in the U.S., teachers just don't get paid any money, and at the, for the time being, while I'm taking care of my mom and things like that, that's not really an option until I'm more stable myself. So I will be teaching just after I retire. In the meantime, I plan to do the content creation stuff, and I plan to uh, be a consultant, a team owner. I got a lot of different stuff going on.
0: Do you ever feel like while you're doing this, I mean, you're obviously in the grind of making content almost 24 seven, it seems like, do you ever take time to appreciate I think about this sometimes just how on the cutting edge, we all are sort of in in streaming and being your own boss and content creation and starting a business like, if you had asked me when I was 16, if I would you know, be partners in an LLC with someone I'd met over the internet, I would have told you there was a zero percent chance. Like, do you ever think about that at all for yourself and just how you could take what you're doing now into the future as it seems like the world is heading towards more of this self-creation, self-sponsorship, self-made on the internet type of stuff?
1: Yes and no. I think that the the tough thing is, yeah, we are on the cutting edge of this, but the issue is that the success rate is so abysmal that like I don't necessarily think we are like pioneering this thing that everybody can go do because, sure. you know, only 1% of Twitch makes a teacher's salary or higher. And, and that's just awful, right? Like, so many people are just doing content creation and making well below minimum wage, if anything. So I like to think that this is something that a lot of people can do, but it, really isn't. And that's part of the reason I've started to develop the esports team. And I'm actually working on some other stuff like the ultimate goal to open up a coffee card shop.
2: Ooh, awesome. Is that is that just sort of I should I was about to say, percolating as an idea and then that felt like a coffee pun. So I, I'm going to not, I'm going to not do that, but I, I am, I'm curious if that is that just sort of like very, very much in like a brainstorming phase or is that like something you're moving on?
1: Uh, it's been in the brainstorm phase for a while now and we're starting to get ready to move on it. It's going to be, um, it's going to kind of double as a content creation space as well because it'll be a card store. So we're going to have uh, recording stuff, which we've started to acquire a lot of the um, you know cameras and things that we would need and rigging to produce some high end content live in sort of like an EDH uh, setting, which will be really cool. And then it would have a storefront as well as the coffee, which brings in the lion's si- uh, lion share of the profits. Because game stores are often not super profitable, but the coffee side is, and it kind of brings the two things together. People can sit and have drinks and play games, but also people can just come in and get coffee or come in and just get games.
0: Oh, awesome. And so as somebody that's starting something like that, what advice would you have for two two types of people? One, people that are looking to get into the content creation game, whether that's on Twitch or on YouTube, and then maybe some advice for more established people like Ethan and I that maybe are just... (laughs) from a different world than you are and, you know, really admire your community.
1: Um. Okay. Well, um, if you are trying to get started on Twitch or any sort of content creation, I think that, you know, developing a plan is really important. People ask me, what do you recommend doing? I'm going to start streaming. What's What do I need to do? And the question really kind of starts within, this is going to sound super cheesy, but like, what do you want out of content creation? Do you want it to be a full-time job? Do you want it to be a hobby? Do you want to use it as a way to like make friends? Um, or just play the games that you like and and share that with people who are like-minded. So once you kind of corner where your head is at in that area, you can start to develop a plan. For example, if you want to be full-time, I don't care if you don't like the magic format, you got to suck it up and play the thing. Uh, But if it's just a hobby for you and your friends, then you get to play whatever you want. You don't necessarily need to focus on the analytics, the viewer counts, things like that. You don't need to worry about you know, diversifying, and you can have more fun with it. So what you need to do is really dependent on what it is that you're trying to work towards.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense to me. Yeah, that's great advice for sure.
1: So I guess a little like, you know, self thought, a little meditation uh, <laughs> on that first is my number one uh, recommendation. And then as far as starting like the larger businesses, I mean, yeah, I've started this LLC for my esports team, but the coffee shop is still under underway. We are Uh, We just kind of came up with a name and now we're opening up the LLC and looking at like
2: locations.
0: That is very cool. Very excited to hear more about coffee and card games in the future.
2: Yeah, for sure. I I wonder if you think about this at all. Like, let's say you could go back and give yourself a piece of advice starting out in the content creation world five years ago. Do you think about like, man, if I had only known this one thing, I could have done X. I mean, I'm just certainly like start sooner or whatever, you know, is always a, a, a thing I think about. But do, do you ever think about what you might have you know, wanted to do differently or if, if you could have known something, what it would be?
1: Yeah, it's a really tough one. Um, You know, knowing where to put your money in, I think is really important. Um, as mm. far as like equipment goes, the things that you may invest in is not necessarily the stuff that will help you produce the best content for the lowest amount of money. But I always recommend that people don't go all in and buy everything day one. You don't need, um, you know, the stream deck and, you know, all the bells and whistles of a fully stream stream setup because A, you might not like it. And also B, it's sad to say, but again, 99.5% of you guys will not succeed to where this is profitable. Unless if it's just a hobby, then great. If you have the spare income, great. But that's I feel like a little bit of a pitfall that some people get themselves into where they're like, I need a job. This is what I want to do. I'm going to invest all this money, get in debt, and then kind of get in trouble. So I would just tell people to be careful about that and uh, talk to other content creators, build some sort of rapport or friendship with creators without necessarily expecting anything in return. But they're a good resource for you to pick their brain, ask them and be like, like, hey, I couldn't get this to work. I see that you have it on your channel. Can you help me? Um, outside of things. Try not to like look for hosts and stuff, which is, you know, always very much frowned upon, but just having friends in the community be honest and uh, genuine when trying to make those connections.
2: I, one of the things that I did when I started out streaming was make sure I built in time during my day of like I need to spend time being an active chatter in other streams. Not active in the sense of like hey, I am about to go live or whatever. Like that's like what Brittany's talking about being frowned upon, but just making connections with other people on a genuine level because i mean that's how that's what leads to collaborations that's what leads to someone going hey i'm ending my stream oh i recognize this person cuz they're in my stream a lot i'll raid them or host them or whatever or follow them on twitter like all that stuff is it's important and you don't get to do that if you know if you're not spending the time to get to know people. I feel like there are content creators who sort of, I describe them as they like, they live on an island, right? They're, they're an island by themselves. They, they The content that they consume is only the content that they produce and they're not involved in other people's communities. And I can't think of a person who's more the opposite. I feel like you're always collaborating. You're always extending hands to other people. You're always, you know, think it feels like, you know, an artist in a sense of like, it's never done. You're like, okay, what's the next thing? How do I build upon this? What's the next step?
1: Yeah, definitely. When I first started streaming, there was like a task a day that I would assign myself, whether that was set up your Patreon, set up your alerts, but also be a part of communities. And like I would wake up and I usually, when I first started streaming, it was in the evening. Um, I would do very long hours, but I wouldn't start until like five and then I'd stream till like four in the morning or some obnoxious number. Uh, but Oof. I would have my coffee. And or at the time, I was still doing a little bit of schoolwork, uh, you know, do those things while being in other communities. I would, you know, Back in the day, you could farm ads to get bits, which I would use to support other creators. <laughs> oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. And it used to be actually pretty lucrative. I would end my stream and after midnight they would reset. And I f- would farm like $10 in bits a day, just having it on my other monitor while watching a content creator and, you know, working on my own overlays or whatever it is I was doing. So yeah, it it really. Never ends. That is not um, an untrue statement. And what you get out of it is really what you put into it.
2: That's I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's such a great sentiment to end things on, Brittany. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your incredibly full and colorful calendar to to talk to us today. Um, we've we've talked a lot about the various platforms you have your content on. Where can people find your stream, your YouTube, all that good stuff?
1: Yeah. So I am MTG Nerd Girl on all platforms. That's uh, no spaces and exactly like it sounds. You guys can find me on uh, largely on Twitch, YouTube and Twitter. But I do have like other things that I'm a little less active on, but I am on Instagram and TikTok. But TikTok is just if you want to see pictures and videos of my dog. Um, Basically, <laughs> if I can't sleep, I'll just fiddle around with any footage of my dog and put cute songs on it for my own amusement. So, if you are into that, you can check that out too.
2: You, you're about to get a new TikTok follower, <laughs> I think, Brittany, uh, in me. Uh, thank you all so much for uh, listening. If you want to check us out, uh, you can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter. And you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited.
0: If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for
2: another episode of Lords of Limited.
0: Thanks, everybody. See you later.